study this week. Does anybody else have any other announcements that they need made? Any other announcements? Are you folks having coffee theology, coffee shop theology? Okay, so you will still be having that, so that's good. Okay, so then I'm going to turn this over to Bob Klazak, who is going to give us our conference report. Bob? Good morning. Good morning. It was my privilege with Pastor Charles to represent us at the national conference of our denomination. After missing last year's conference due to COVID, it was a good opportunity to get reacquainted with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The theme of this conference was to know him better and to love him more. So we know Jesus better by studying his word, the Bible, with a passion and then developing our relationship with him more fully on a daily basis. We love him more by obeying what he tells us to do, by walking with him, by being his disciples, and by doing this, we will bear fruit by serving him and serving others. Bishop Hill gave his Episcopal address recounting some of the changes that have occurred in his 11-year tenure as bishop of our denomination. A key event was electing our next bishop. Reverend Randy Sizemore was selected. He spent many years serving as the chairman of our Global Missions Commission, and he helped to facilitate the establishment and growth of many EC churches around the world. We spent much time at conference reviewing changes, proposed changes to the amendments to the discipline of our church. These are needed because of the last five years of structural changes that have occurred in our denomination. I won't recount what all those changes are, uh, but the bottom line is that our church is more efficient from a financial perspective, and we've done this without foregoing any opportunities for ministry. Uh, those amendments and the bishop's term will all begin uh, next May 2022. So bottom line, know him better, love him more. By doing this, we'll be uh, more in tune to God's will. And as we give him his, con he has control as we seek to follow him and serve him. Thank you. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalms 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And now we're going to hear from the praise team. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We just have a couple of guitars here and a mic, and... Um, one of the advantages of this is we can hear you all singing, and it's kind of a small crowd today, so we're going to need you to sing loud. So. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can stand up. If you want. Do, do what you want. Okay, every, everybody but Mike, do what you want. 
Mike, do what your wife wants. Just praise the Lord. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down, worship Him now How great, how awesome is He And together we sing Holy is the Lord
come to that time in our service for prayer requests and praises. So if my helpers are ready, 
Anybody have any prayer requests or praises? Don't be shy. Yes. So uh, I'd like prayers for Lucy. She broke her arm this week, uh, but she'll be okay. She went to the doctor. She has a cast, but uh, prayers for her, please. Tiny little bones. (laughs) Anybody else? Okay, then I'm going to turn it over to Chris Lair. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Is it working? All right. Of course, my iPad decides to crash, so we'll get there. Well, let us pray. Gracious Father, we, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for all the days that you've provided for us. We thank you, Lord, that you walk beside us each and every day. I ask, Lord, for, uh, for your handy healing upon those that are hurt, broken, those that are struggling for, through their days. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you grant us of your peace, grant us of your joy, that we're able to walk alongside others in their times of trial as well. We ask, Lord, for your blessings in the name of him who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So I think, you know, I, 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 that's what's next, right? I'm preaching next, right? Him. Hymns.
Now it's my turn. All right. So I am Chaplain Christopher Lair, Battalion Chaplain for the 2nd 104th General Support Aviation Battalion for Indian Town Gap. That way. Out of the 28th Infantry Division, the oldest division in the United States military. Did you know that? 28th Infantry Division is, you know, the, uh, we actually, I was in, uh, prior to the uh, 2nd 104th, I was with the 2nd 112th Infantry, part of the 5-6 Striker Brigade, and you're like, that's a lot of numbers and stuff. Anyway, the Associators, first of the 111th, was part of that brigade. That's, you know, Franklin's unit. Uh, the battalion I was in, you know, in prior, anyway, doesn't matter. We're not talking about the infantry, we're talking about aviation. Anyway, but again, 28th Infantry Division, the oldest, the oldest serving division in the United States Army. So there you go, Keystone. Um, and so, and for the last year, I have been wearing one of these to preach. So I figured might as well do that for you guys too. Anyway. And the nice thing about standing up here right now is I'm not breaking a seat. So, what, last, it's been about the last three years I've been knowing that I was going to deploy. It wasn't, it wasn't really real for, for Lisa until the year before I deployed is when we went on to TRICARE, you know, where I didn't have to pay for our health insurance. She's like, you're really going? And I'm like, I told you. Well, this is a lot of false starts prior to that. We start ramping up. We do a lot of bunch of extra training. And then what happens? COVID. So we got delayed. We got delayed on our deployment. So what did I do during that time? I, you know, I, I best spent my time building a porch. Right? Yeah, what do you do? Well, of course, that seemed like a good idea at the time until I realized that there was no lumber. But during that time, though, and this is, this is almost going to be thematic throughout this deployment, is that I suffered, our family suffered our first loss. And it wasn't you know, military loss. It was uh, my, my nephew, Michael, didn't quite make it into this world. And what really sucked is I was under orders under that time, and I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave the area, and I couldn't go see my little sister. Fortunately, we had, you know, our family's pretty close, so everyone else was able to rush there where I couldn't. And then we packed up all our crap, and we went to Fort Hood. We took, uh, we took flights out of, um, out of Harrisburg here and, and flew straight to Fort Hood. And during that time, the, their battalion, so I'd, the year before, we'd gone, down to the, gone over to the National Training Center in the Mojave Desert, which is, you know, hot and gross and sandy and nasty, and I've learned to hate deserts. Anyway, you know, and then we got back from that, and half the battalion went, <laughs> so we, get a, we sit, start grabbing people from all over the state and grabbing people from everywhere and start putting together, and all of a sudden, we've got an entire battalion, actually an entire brigade. So brigade, so okay, I'm a battalion chaplain, you uh, Okay, how many know about military structure? Only a couple of y'all, right? So a squad is about, you know, is about five, you know, or a team is about five people, a squad's about ten people, you know, a squad goes into a platoon, a platoon goes into a company, a company goes into a battalion, that's where I'm at, and a battalion goes into a brigade. So the 28th Expeditionary uh, Combat Aviation Brigade is who deployed. So it was a brigade that deployed. I'm one, I'm one, you know, I'm part of, you know, I'm one battalion in 
uh, one of three battalions, right, in this brigade. So we're getting, part, we're getting to know each other. We have, so I know my, my brigade chaplain, who's a major, I'm a captain. You know, and then, and then uh, the other battalion chaplain, I already knew, JT. Then there was the other one that we brought in another battalion from Ohio. You know, what, what state is, you know, round on the end sometimes? Bugs, anyway, Ohio, anyway. So we're getting to know each other. We're getting to learn to work e- with each other. We're also get, having to get to relearn our units because we've just started, you know, mix-mashing and putting a bunch of people together. In fact, even including my, uh, my assistant, uh, which I'd never worked with before. Now, I understand, well, why do, you know, why do I, I get a personal assistant? Of course, why is that? I'm a chaplain, and so therefore I no longer carry a weapon. I am, I am, by regulation, not allowed to carry anymore. I don't carry a weapon, don't shoot a weapon, on the military side. Don't do it really on the civilian side either, but that's neither here nor there. I don't carry a weapon. Why? Well, medics get to carry a weapon, and we're, we're all protected under the same Geneva Convention Code. It's because I get an assistant who shoots for me. So I'm getting, we're getting to learn, and we're getting to know everybody. And as we're there, we're going through all the training. All the pilots have to do their, 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 their flying and their whatnot. And, you know, and, the, and the chaplains, we're setting up a, a chapel, various chapel services in little tents. Because COVID. We're not allowed to use the chapel. We're all restricted to where we're at, so we're, just, we're making do with where we're at. But that's, you know, that's the Army chaplain way, right? We make do with where we're at. We make do with what we have. And it's okay. And that's where, you know, the, we started getting our worship team together. And that was kind of cool, too. We actually developed a really cool worship team by the time we got to, uh, got to Kuwait. But that was, that had nothing to do with the chaplains. They're like, can we play? I mean, it was everything to do with God, really. Anyway. But as we're getting there, so we, our plan was we were supposed to go to Iraq. And I remember the day that we, you know, that we were sat down, there was supposed to be this secret squirrel meeting, everybody, you know, every, if you had secret clearance, you'd go to this meeting, and they were going to start it at like 8 o'clock at night, and I'm like, I ain't going to that. It was two, hour, two and a half hours of them sitting through this secret squirrel meeting, and I'm like, I don't want to do that, which is a good thing, because the next morning they came back, yeah, yeah, you know that meeting last night that we all went to and all the plans that were made? We're not doing that anymore. We're not going to Iraq. What? what I signed up for. We're going to Kuwait. Really? What had happened, what, do you guys remember what, it was a year and a half ago, the Iranians uh, shot, rock, you know, shot missiles, you know, the, the uh, tactical ballistic missiles and blew up a bunch of stuff and killed a bunch of people? Oh, wait, you guys don't know about that, the, the killing of people. Their people died during that. In fact, our replacement, you know, the, one, the unit we replaced, there were men and women that died in that attack. You didn't get that in the news. In fact, so, and that was, we were supposed to go to a, a camp in Iraq that got hit really hard where a bunch of those folks died. So they closed the base while we were there at Fort Hood. So we're going to Kuwait. So everything went, figure it out. Also during that time, though, is that one of the things that I've learned in the VA in treating vets is that, you know, with us in the evangelical world, we, we don't like a lot of, you know, a lot of tradition and ritual. Uh, we've managed to throw out the baby with the bathwater in that. What I've found in the VA is that, tra- you know, tradition and ritual actually provide healing. 
and it provides that, you know, provides that, you know, I will raid the pockets of other denominations for spare liturgy. I will raid the Catholics. I will raid, you know, Episcopalians and, and, and Presbyterians and the whatnot looking for stuff that will get people to have spiritual resiliency so that they can, you know, that they feel like they have a sense of participating in their faith. And you know, ritual does that. Does, does great for that. So what I, one of the things I had done then is that I had developed a liturgy of war. That sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? But anyway, it, but it was, it was just this whole liturgy that we, you know, that all of us chaplains got together just before we flew to the Middle East, and we did this whole worship thing, and did a, did a liturgy of war, it was responsive reading, and basically knowing and reminding us that God walks with us, though we put ourselves in danger. And then I, conclu- then I did another ritual that same night, is where I did a blessing of the hands, where all our medics and our medical personnel came up, and I blessed their hands, so that they had hands to provide healing for those that may get hurt. Understand, I mean, even though we're going to Kuwait, half our folks were actually going to go to Iraq and Syria and Jordan you know, and all around you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the theater of operation. Our folks were going to be in danger. I was going to be in danger. It's part of the job. Bad things could happen. So I'm going to, I'm going to spoil that part of the story. Nobody died. Nobody in the 28th Expeditionary Combat Aviation Brigade died. No one died. I mean, this thing, I keep kicking it. I didn't, and one of the hardest things I ever have to do as an Army chaplain is to do a memorial ceremony. I hate them. I despise doing them. I do a good job. It's right here where, where, it, where it gets you. It's emotionally, it's emotionally devastating for everybody. I didn't have to do one. Anyway, so we finally get, you know, we, we get to know each other, kind of. You know, the brigades, the, the brigade, the battalions, and then we, we fly over to the Middle East. It was a long flight. Flow, flew from, from, from Fort Hood, and we flew all the way to, we landed in Germany for a brief stop, and all the way then down into Kuwait. And we get into Kuwait, and it's hot! Holy cow, it's hot! It's 120 degrees! It's hot! You know, when you slow, slow cooking is about 126, 130 degrees, right? When you slow cook a piece of meat, it's that hot. And you walk out the airplane, you're going, ah. And they throw us in buses, and we're all in uniform, and they close the curtains, and we have to drive down the way so that you know, no one can see us. Not like they don't know what all the buses are and the trucks are with all our gear in it. And they pick us to Camp Buring. Camp Buring... I'm going to calm on the colorful language. It is a hole. It is awful. It is, we've been there 30 years and everything is temporary. All our buildings are temporary. And they get us, and they get us to our, you know, our, our sleeping areas and our, our barracks. And I'm not, I don't have enough rank to get my own room. So I get a roommate. Uh, we get tiny, you know, and we get a tiny little room, and all the enlisted get even, you know, a little bit bigger rooms, but cram more people in there. And, and to go to the bathroom, let's see, I can walk out my door, and there is a porta john right there. Or I got to walk over that way to the shower house. 
there was no running water in, in our room. So it's like you had to really kind of figure out what you were going to do that day. Oh, i got to go pee. Where's my flip-flops? Water. You don't drink the water out of the tap. So there are spots, water spots, where they have pallets of water. That's what you drink. And then, you, you know, and, and, and everything over there, as far as U.S. military goes, is fortified. We have giant, you know, okay, you know those, those T-wall barriers, those little ones for, you know, for, you know, like road construction? Now imagine if they're this tall. Concrete barriers. And everywhere is placed are these, you know, these like, they look like, I don't know, they're like upside down U's out of concrete. So if we get rocked attacked, you run to them and you hide underneath the concrete. as everywhere. We're living in a fortress. And every base that I went to is a fortress. Now you think about that and you think about what that does to what's going on up here. You're in the middle of the desert and it's not like the Mojave. The Mojave's pretty. I, I don't like the Mojave, but the Mojave's pretty, right? There's mountains, there's things to see, grand vistas. In the Kuwaiti desert, there is nothing. It is flat. It is nothing. It is hot. But we decide, you know, so we, and then we get there, we get ourselves set up. Half my battalion that I'm serving leaves Kuwait and goes, goes to Jordan. They go to Iraq. They go up into Syria. And that's, you know, so I'm, you know, out of like 500 some odd people, I've only got about little more than half there in Kuwait. The rest of my folks, the ones that I need to take care of, they ain't anywhere near me. But we decide that we're going we're gonna to establish a rhythm, figure out what we're going to do. And, and I was working with uh, the Ohio chaplain, and we actually did a combined service so that when one of us had to leave and rotate out so we, you know, one could co- cover for the other and all that. And it was, it was actually really cool. We did that on the flight line. There's a flight line where we're at, so we walk out, walk the flight line, and there was a base chapel, and we try to avoid that because things, politics and drama goes on there. We liked our own little aviation world. And if you notice, I've got aviation wings. I come out of that world. We, we're, we're our own kind of weird. But we, we, we did that. We established our, our chapel service there, right there on the flight line, did it every Sunday. In fact, that chapel service was the, you know, the one thing that really, truly got me through my time there. It was just a blessing for each and every one of us that did that. We had about 10 people on our worship team. People keep showing up and going, can I play too? Yes, yes, you can. And I want nothing to do with managing it. You tell me what you guys want. And they just did a spectacular job each and every Sunday. Some other things I did while I was over there, before I go into some of the other, uh, some of the difficult moments that, that, went through, that I went through. Um, you, know, we, you know, for those that don't know, I'm an artist. I have a fine arts degree. I like making things, so one of the, you know, and there was no there was no me making metal stuff and building things. So I designed digitally, and for those in the military, you know, the, like the coins that we hand out. I don't have one on me. I should have grabbed one. Anyway, I designed our battalion coin. I designed a chaplain coin. I designed a chaplain patch, multiple patches, because we liked our little patches that we could put whatever. And 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 you'll see later at the end of this is a I painted a T wall. So, and to give you an understanding, though, is that our brigade decided they wanted to be Task Force Anvil. Anvil as the metal anvil, right? But Fort Indian Town Gap is technically Anvil. 
Ah, okay. And so the brigade commander wanted to do something, you know, let's do something cool along metalsmithing and just iron and no, the battalions decided that wasn't going to that wasn't going to work. So my task force, my battalion was task force Coyote, as in Wiley Coyote. The aviation support battalion was task force Roadrunner. And the and the we had an, the other battalion that was with us, the assault battalion, they were task force Chicken Hawk. We went totally Looney Tunes. Yeah. And so one of the things that we would do at the end of our, our, our staff meetings is that the battalion commander would salute coyotes and we all respond, that's all folks. And that's what we did for a year. Counseling, counseling for the battalion was actually pretty quiet. I you know, had some really good conversations with soldiers during this time. Um, but the one thing that I feel blessed about is that my battalion was the quietest. The other battalions were having issues that didn't quite get, to, quite get to my battalion, so I wasn't overwhelmed with the amount of counseling that the other chaplains were doing. But that, you know, that's the, that's the, the fun stuff, right? But halfway through my deployment, I had to come home those that are that are where I had to come home because my father died so that was you know so that was a quite the gut punch for me you know I'm as you can tell as I can, you know when I'm talking I can get pretty animated and you know my voice goes up and Lisa's all shh it sucked the wind out of me I mean it was a gut punch you know, for the week that I had to wait to fly home. You know, I got the Red Cross message. I got the Red Cross message on a Monday night and the rotators on Tuesday. I have to wait till next Tuesday to come home. So I am, for a week, hiding out in my room. My bosses, my roommate, stay. Just, and we had an outbreak of COVID in the battalion too, so they're like, Stay, stay. You know, I come home, I do all that, you know, and there, of course, the chaplain that did the, the graveside and the, the pastor back, at, uh, back in Illinois, well, do you want to participate? No. I can't. I can't do that for my own dad. Although I did take my dad's flag. My dad's a vet took my dad's flag back with me to Kuwait. And I have, and I have his, his casket flag that traveled with me from Kuwait to Iraq, to Syria, to Jordan and back. Because at the end of his career, he was supposed to deploy, and they said, you go, you're too old, go home, old man. And that, that, was, that was enough for him. He was, he was done. He had a couple of years left, and he's like, I'm out. So even though he couldn't go on his own deployment, I took his flag with me. And I get back, and I find that my assistant has completely run amok while I was gone. I mean, I was gone for two weeks, and then they put me in quarantine for two weeks. Being in quarantine wasn't too bad. I got to, sp I got to play Xbox for two weeks and got paid captain's pay, so that was all right. But my assistant decided that, you know, he'd been, he'd been counseled on multiple occasions 
but his idea of mental health was hanging out with a fe another female at 3 a.m. on a regular basis, giving improper, the improper perception of uh, his character. And, well, I think actually he was giving us the proper perception of his character. But he's my assistant. He represents the unit ministry team. There's only two of us. And I can't really have a young soldier deciding to uh, do whatever he pleases. So I had to fire him. This is, this is really what I want to be doing while I'm downrange. You know, and also during that time, I lost two friends that died, you know, died here back at home. Just feeling helpless. When you're, you know, when things are going on back home and things, you know, things are just way out of, out of your control, it just sense of helplessness. But fortunately, fortunately, I had the greatest roommate I never, ever wanted. I want to have my own room, right? So they put me with a lawyer. Captain Kurt Schmidt, judge advocate. He is, he's a lawyer. And one of the most godly men that I could ever spend time with. Let me tell you a dirty secret about pastors. We hate talking shop. Oh, well, what about this? Uh, look, I get up here, I think about this all day long. I want to think about something else. Kurt, on the other hand, he and I were able to have just these magnificent, wonderful discussions. That, you know, that we were able to actually work through theological things. Because he went from, Kurt went from, uh, pagan, evangelical Christian, Catholic. Talk about it, you know, but I mean, he was, he was Catholic. Yes, he's a very godly man, even though he's Catholic. Stop it. But it was, again, it was just, he, was, he was just such a, you know, just being able to work with each other, be able to talk with one another. He had to go home on emergency leave at, you know, during this deployment as well. So then that prior to, you know, my having to go home, that we, you know, that I ministered to him, that I was able to provide him the guidance he needed, the comfort that he needed, and when my life got, you know, when, when the legs got kicked out from under me, guess who was there? Kurt. I mean, but one of the really interesting things that, you know, through our discussions there, and really helped me open my eyes up to, is the spiritual the very real sense of the spiritual. We in our Western world, we got technology, right? We in the West have a bad habit of ignoring the spiritual realm. What is God? Spirit, right? How does He interact with the world? The Holy Spirit, right? You know, who does he have working for him? Angels, which are spirits. And the ones that fell from grace, what are they? Spirits, demons, but they are spirits. It's a spiritual realm. It is a very real realm. And especially when you don't have a whole lot of technology floating around you, sitting there getting in the way, 
when you are in the middle of the, the wilderness, I mean, quite honestly, as I'm in, in the Kuwaiti wilderness, right? I'm not that far from, you know, from the wilderness that Jesus spent his 40 days fasting and praying prior to his ministry. I'm not that far from it, all things considered. The spiritual realm. That we were able to acknowledge that it's very real and very much affecting. And when we're spiritual beings too. We are our bodies, but we are our spirits as well, both and. That is the, that is the Jewish understanding of who we are, is we are, mind, we, are, or we are body, we are spirit, we are soul, all connected, interconnected, that you cannot separate them, that we interact with the spiritual realm. I mean, this, is, I mean, this comes straight out of Ephesians, right? Even Paul's writing this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm a soldier, we're soldiers, we are out there wrestling against flesh and blood, but that wasn't the battle. Truly. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is the one thing that, you know, through all that, that we were able to, you know, he and I, I mean, he, he, more, me, he more so than I because he's been plagued by demonic entities, my, my buddy Kurt. In fact, he's still plagued by them, even though he is, you know, he has converted. He's fully much a man of God. They are not happy that he walked away. Understand that with your own lives. There is a spiritual realm out there, and it's very, very real. Sometimes it does take a walk in the desert to figure all that out. I mean, it was even so much, even so much so is that my assistant had brought something into the office. Something speaking, because there's something that was surrounding him that kept, you know, harassing the office. Making my office, making my office, the chaplain's office, a not safe place. Understand the voice of Jesus. Word of his name is very powerful. And I made it go away. No, I didn't make it go away. Jesus made it go away. By speaking his name and reconsecrating my office to his service. But throughout all this deployment, you know, through all my ups, through my downs, how did I do it? Fortunately, nobody died, but when you know, you're walking back into work on Back in February, and your whole world has gotten beat up pretty badly. How do you do it? The only way I was able to get through each and every day was through his strength. And it's a need, though, that has not even concluded yet to this day. I'm still having to reintegrate to getting back home. I, I came home and I had an emotional collapse. It lasted for a couple of days. And I'm still not quite right. But also being said is I'm going to the VA and getting help. 
I had committed myself prior to this deployment that I was going to go talk to a counselor prior to, you know, when I got back, whether I thought I needed it or not. I mean, this is, I mean, it's in the same vein as James 5.16, right? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Go talk to somebody. Been through it emotionally a lot. We, uh, you need to understand Scripture, especially in all this, is that you know, we all like to say to ourselves, each other, well, God won't give you any more than you can handle. You know that's a, mis- a misuse of that Scripture, right? God won't allow you to be tempted any more than you can handle. But this life will give you more than you can handle. This life will sit there and meet you in a dark alley and beat you up with a baseball bat leave you for dead. This life will do that to you. This is the world we live in. It's broken. That is why we must rely upon our God, upon our Savior each and every day. Taking our pain and our frustrations and our helplessness and giving it to Him, using each other, the community. This is one of the things that I was you know, constantly talking to folks. Well, I probably ought to find a church when I get back home. Yeah, you should. But what kind of church do we need to be? What kind of church do they need to be looking for? And this is the same litmus test I did for y'all. If you don't walk into a church, or if you walk into a church and they don't, they don't, they don't greet you like a long-lost family member, turn out the door and leave. This has to be a family. We have to be a family. We have to be there to take care of one another. Because the Scripture tells us who gets, who gets priority on our, on our help. We do. The person to your left and right. We have to be that community. We have to be brothers, truly brothers and sisters in Christ. And what do we know about brothers and sisters? We pick on each other, we make each other mad, but we're still family at the end of the day. But that is why God gave us the church. So we could do these things. We can rely upon Him. We can rely upon each other through all our trials and tribulations. And so in that then I will close how I closed all our weekly staff meetings, we did, a, we did two staff meetings. We did, we did one on Tuesday and did one on Saturday. We got no weekends. But I'm going to close this time with Psalm 27. It's the one psalm that has spoken to me as a chaplain. It was the psalm that, that, uh, that was put on my ordination cake. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord and I will, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to choir in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices of shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, or false witness, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. And I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take, care, take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let us pray. Our most wonderful Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you have granted us you. That you have promised that you will never leave us. That you will never forsake us. That you will walk with us at all times, whether the times are good or the times are bad. That you have sacrificed yourself for people like us. We who are broken. We who are sinful that you have looked upon us and loved us so much. I ask, Lord, for you continue blessings of yourself upon us, granting us of your wisdom and your strength and your guidance that we're able to show your love to the world around us. And this I pray in your most holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen. And as I said before, as we closed all our meetings, that's all, folks.
I'm going to close how I normally close with all my chapel services. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.